0: This is the Women with Vision podcast, where we get real with some of the leading entrepreneurial superwomen about what it takes to build a business online and
1: beyond with kids, husbands, and everything else. Hey there, superwomen. I am so excited to have my uh, next guest. You know, she is, uh, she first of all educates public policymakers and the media about the benefits of competent, ethical financial planning. She's a certified financial planner and the CEO of a, a financial advisory firm called Blue Ocean Global Wealth. Uh, Margarita Chang, how are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Tam. So excited to be here.
1: I am so excited to have you. Um, you know, it, just recently, I literally talked to my financial planner last night. Um, because uh, we're doing some changes with our financial planning. And uh, it became more important as we get older, of course, we're starting to think more about that. But it's also very important to just know, you know, have yourself set up for whatever happens in the future. And I know right now, because of the pandemic that we're in, a lot of people, uh, they're probably, you know, Thinking about the now, but uh, it's still very important to to get yourself ready for uh, the future. So, uh, first of all, I'm excited to have you here to talk about, you know, what you do, but also what got you into doing financial planning.
0: Well, sure. And actually, I had this conversation, a very similar conversation last month. No one plans for a pandemic. Right. No one plans for these things. I think the better terminology is to say, prepare, prepare, right? yeah. prepare yourself for uncertainty. Um, so what inspired me to do what I do? Um, I've always been good at math and I've always been organized, but I would say growing up, I was not aware of the discipline of personal finance. Um, I, didn't re- I knew about corporate finance. I mean, my degree in college is in finance. But I think my why is I wanted to be able to take the concepts that people use in accounting and finance for corporations and organizations and apply those concepts to individuals and families. So here's exactly what I mean. We talk about a strong balance sheet. What does that mean? That means a strong personal net worth, managing your assets and liabilities. Then in corporate finance, do you think about income statement? Income statement is really a statement of cash flows Uh, for individuals and families. It is the B word, budget.
1: Right. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) So I wanted to make personal finance less intimidating, less overwhelming, but most importantly, accessible.
1: Yeah, I think it's so important because, you know, if you haven't grown up with that, you know, my parents, you know, I love them. They were very successful in business, but I don't think they really understood the concept because they weren't really raised with that. You know, they made money, they spent money, they spent way too much money when they made it. And I didn't, so I didn't really learn from them. I learned from people around me. My, I'm really good at making money. My husband's really good at saving and budgeting money. Uh, and, um, so I think that it's important, especially because there's so many things that come up in life, right? There's divorce, there's death, there's career changes. Like you were talking about, there's caring for aging relatives, uh, that you have to make sure that you are ready for. And I know that you love helping people feel com- confident in that and to help them to have some kind of control over that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, my dad thinks can happen. So when my dad came to America in the 60s, I always say, I don't care what inflation rate used. $17 then may have been more than it is today, but it's certainly not a lot. And my dad told me you should never measure your self-worth by your net worth. And education is an investment in your future. Some expense, all these Um, things that my dad taught me along the way. I'm the eldest of three girls, but what I value more than anything is dad was, remember how you said your parents probably were good at earning money and they probably spent money. My dad might've been a little bit too open about money. Mm -hmm. Like he would, um, say, you know, don't spend money in the dark. He would show me the family's life insurance policies. I mean, I was little. I was like 10 years old. Here's the safe. Mm. If anything happens to daddy, you got to make sure you take care of mommy. Now, people might say that's horrible to do a 10-year-old. I mean, to be honest, I didn't know any better. Right. And this is also very common in many immigrant families. Like you want to prepare the next generation. Um, So I just try to talk to people in a way um, I don't want to talk down to people. I don't want to talk over people. I want to talk with people. I want mm-hmm. to have conversations about money so that they feel um, more confident. And with that confidence, they're able to plan. They can't control um, what goes on in the stock market or interest rates, but they can control how they
1: react. Right. Well, I love the word you're talking about confidence because I think that's where people are lacking Lacking confidence around money because money was uh, possibly scarce, or just the way their parents spoke about it to them, uh, what they heard or what they saw as it related to how their people around them um, advocated or worked with money or looked at money. So that all affects you as you grow up. So the confidence I think a lot of people don't have. Uh, So what would you say would be the first thing they should do to just even get more confident around money? I have, before you answer that question, there was this one girl I just recently talked to, Sheena, our friend, Sheena, we were just talking about this and she said, you know, she started listening to um, some money, some money uh, we call mapping. She was trying to help her to subconsciously let go of some of her money issues with, you know, does that stuff help, do you think? Or, you know, what are some other things you would say to get more confident around it? I
0: think that definitely helps. We all have money scripts.
1: Yes. Money stories Mm
0: -hmm. based on our experiences, our experiences and the experiences around us. So for example, give you an example. Someone I know, they're not a client, but just Mm -hmm. someone in our circle said she struggled with budgeting wasn't because she lacked intelligence. She had a PhD, but growing up, she was around people who felt that money was evil, money was dirty. Mm -hmm. So the minute she had it, she struggled with budgeting. So I think the most important step is to take the time to honor and respect your money scripts, your money experiences, because start there. Um, And then you can learn okay, here's how I feel in certain situations and here's how I act in certain situations and that's okay, know thyself, right? Your money personality, your money scripts um, and that can help you um, plan for your future. I mean, we all get stuck at some point in time.
1: Yeah, what inspired you though? Like what inspired you to start this kind of business? I mean, you could have went and worked for some big firm uh, you could have did a lot of things with finance. Uh, what made you decide to do this yourself?
0: Sure. So um, in the nineties, I actually worked um, at a large firm doing. Um, so I was an analyst. So I focused on companies or institutional clients. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: at that, I always tell people it's important to know what you like, but I think it's just as important to know what you don't like. Yeah. I didn't really like that because it was very transactional. I didn't really get to interact with the end user. There's nothing wrong with recognizing that early on. And then in my 20s, I recognized that maybe it may be hard for people to take me seriously. I can say this, like, what in the world do you know about retirement? You haven't lived life. So I knew there were things that I had to work on for myself and my family. So helping my husband with student loans, credit card debt, bought a house, Mm -hmm. um, had kids. I felt like I had lived life. And then at that point in time, I decided that I was going to prepare um, and enter the profession, the financial advice profession. I worked at a large firm for 14 years, but then I decided that I wanted to have my own firm um, because I felt, and I still feel to this day, that there is a distinction between portfolio management and financial advice. Yes, some part financial advice is about investments in portfolio management, but there's also financial advice independent of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what do you mean? Interest rates are low reaches. Should I refinance my house? What's the best way to spend, uh, pay my student loans? Um, how do I pay for college? Um, how much life insurance do I need? These don't necessarily involve investments, but these are very important financial decisions. And I so see. I decided that I wanted to um, serve my clients in this way and build a firm that focused on planning first, uh, people first, then planning, and then the portfolio. Because all too often, I, I, I kid you not, uh, I have heard from clients that sometimes when they meet with someone for a first time, that person... That representative will bring transfer paperwork to the first meeting. And I'm thinking, how can you do that? You don't even know the person. You haven't even had a conversation to learn about their goals and priorities. So I wanted to create the experience that I thought would resonate um, with women. Mm -hmm. Um, Women are more relationship. It's not just about their money, but the why behind the money.
1: Yeah, that's I love it. I love it. What, what has been your biggest obstacle um, at, at, as you go through your journey of being an entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur, and then how have you worked through that?
0: Sure. So early on when I mentioned, I always felt there should be a distinction between financial advice and portfolio and investment advice. Some people would say, well, that's great, Rita, but you're not going to make any money. You're not going to be successful if you work with people under 50 because nobody under 50 has any money and people can get advice for free. Um, There were a lot of naysayers and they can be right and I can be right. Um, We are both right because Mm -hmm. for the people that they are serving, that may not resonate. But there are many people. This is a glass half full. Um, This is the um, optimist. This is seeing opportunity that there's a lot of people who have not sought help for a variety of reasons. And this approach may resonate with them more. And so I would say early on it was skepticism and negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we've seen... um, the first, so I became a planner June 2nd, 99. By the time it was 2008, I experienced four crises in my career. And I can say during that time, um, you know, no one fired me. No one had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And the financial planning gave the clients the confidence to know that they still could accomplish what was important to them.
1: Got you. Now, what do you mean by crises? You had experienced crises four crises. What is that?
0: Sure. So first, the tech bubble burst, then yep. it was 9-11, then it was Enron, and then it was the global financial yep. crisis. So yes, I mean, I should say our financial markets experienced four crises, but as a financial planner, I experienced these four <laughs> crises. Right. I should say we, myself and my clients, but we do know We did not plan for these crises, but we prepared for uncertainty, so they were able to still retire. No one had to go back to work. Um, The one thing I'm very clear is I cannot guarantee that someone's kid is going to be admitted to their school of choice, but I can assure you that if we financially plan for them to be able to attend their school of choice that they that parents could afford that
1: yes yes i love it so let's do a little switch over because i know that there's a, there's so many women asian women just women in general are looking at you as a, a leader looking at you as a you know you're a boss you have your own business um what is some of the things that uh, you had to overcome you know your in your own self with your own um uh, learning of your, what you're capable of doing, because I know that going into business, you know, married with kids, it's not always easy. So tell me a little bit about that.
0: Sure. Well, the first question, when you said about obstacles, I did have to overcome a lot of skepticism for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, I think another obstacle that I had to overcome and I have no problem sharing it is when I entered the business, um, I had a three-year-old and my son actually hadn't even turned one. So Mm -hmm. people did say to me, they're like, what are you going to do with those kids? And I was horrified. Like I didn't cry, talk back or melt down. At first I I just paused because I was like, wait a moment. Is that what they really said? And then I was calm because that's who I am. And then I smiled. I said, well, what do you mean? You should be (laughs) glad I already have kids. I don't need to stop and try to get pregnant. Like they're already here. They're not going anywhere. Right. So I did have to overcome that. I think this is a podcast for every woman, but particularly for an Asian woman, the other thing that I had to overcome is, you know, I had to overcome stereotypes and it could be implicit. It could even be explicit bias of what a financial planner is,
1: mm-hmm. what
0: one looks like, what one sounds like and how one acts. I was told that I wasn't going to be successful because I was a horrible salesperson. To my face, you know, Rita, um, you are technically sharp, but you are a lousy financial planner. You spend too much time listening and building relationships. You don't know how to sell. Now, the reason why I probably didn't know how to sell is I didn't want to be perceived as that gal or that guy as being pushy. Right. But I realized that clients... Um, they do business with people they like, they like. and trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you want people to trust you, you need to take the time to listen. So these are things that, you know, I had to overcome. Um, and surprisingly enough, many of my clients actually helped me overcome this because they said, one of the reasons why you like us, we like working with you, Rita, is you're not pushy. It's not your agenda. You make it all about us. It's our agenda. And to me, that really helped me a lot. And even when I felt like maybe, I mean, I'm going to say there were times when I think, you know what, maybe I'm not cut out for this business. But then I thought about all the clients that chose to work with me. And it wasn't that I was a martyr. I was like, I need to be successful because I want to prove to myself. It's true. I don't need to prove anything to others because I work for my clients, but I am on a mission to prove that I can be me and I can do right by people and I can be successful. They're not mutually exclusive.
1: I love that. I love that, And that's such a great lesson. I think that people, I mean, I had to come to that as well. I think that no matter what, you have to f- realize that you can be you. You can be successful. You don't have to become something else or, or you know, define yourself by someone else's definition of what this thing is. Uh, and you've proved it. You've proved it, which is great. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's
0: ongoing. Um, but I think it also goes back to your why. So even when, what is it? Uh, when times get tough, you just keep going.
1: Yes. And I go back
0: to my why. My why is to help people um, gain clarity, confidence, and control over their financial lives to become more financially confident and,
1: and resilient. Right, right. Well, is it always, I mean, do you sometimes still feel that, you know, oh gosh, this is, you know, this is tough. Maybe I should think of something else. How do you stay motivated? You know, I know you mentioned about your why, but is there some kind of morning ritual that you do or some kind of thing that keeps you in the game?
0: I mean, I think what always, so there's going to be times when I do um, sometimes get discouraged. I I don't want to misrepresent, but um, if it's difficult for me to go back to my why, I think about the stories of clients and I can share this. So, um, on 911, 2020 I lost a client mm. and this client had been a client. Um, this is very bittersweet. I remember sitting at her kitchen table when she lost her mom in 2002. Um, and sitting at this client's kitchen table, I sit at many, it's conversations, right? One conversation right. at a time. Um, We lost her too soon. She left us too soon. She didn't even get to retire. 63 is not old. What it helps reinforce, um, we do need to enjoy today and plan for tomorrow. So it's stories like that that, you know, inspire me. Um, I love like group fit to be healthy, active, strong, and then sweat out my stress. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's stories like this that, you know, Um, reinforced my why. Even on a very difficult day, I'm like, you know, this is why I do what I do. There are people who value me, value my advice. And even if they're no longer with us on this earth, I know that her legacy um, lives on. I sat with the adult children and I spent time with them. And of course we helped like plan their mom's celebration of life. And that's, you know, that's what keeps me going.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what advice would you give to someone? Because like you said, right now, no one planned for a pandemic. And a lot of us are trying to figure out what to do today, let alone the next 10, 20 years. What would you say, uh, what advice would you give them to start considering uh, planning uh, even now? How, how would you tell them to start?
0: Well, sure. I mean, I know it is overwhelming. I, I mean, first, I just definitely want to acknowledge is how can you be thinking about one, three, five, 10, 20 years when you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm just trying to, you know, worry about today and stay in business today. So first, I, I mean, I want to acknowledge that's normal. Second, I think it's certainly okay to share your concerns and fears with others. You're not alone. You're not complaining. You're, you're sharing. Um, and then I would st- Third, I would say it's okay to ask for help. I think this is really important because sometimes, I mean, we are super women. We, 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 can do, we think we can do it all because we do do a lot. Right. And we do do it all. Mm-hmm. But I think it's certainly okay to ask for help. And asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Right. It's actually a sign of courage, right? You mm-hmm. know, if I'm asking you for help, Tim, it means that I trust you, right? I'm putting my trust and confidence. If someone confides in me, that's a blessing that, and so, um, I'll take it a step further. So some, if you're confiding in someone, that means that someone has put trust in you. You may not be able to help them at that moment, but even listening to someone can make someone feel better. And then you can direct them to resources or, or help them. Um, I mean, I can give an example. So, when the pandemic really hit and the world shut down um, in March, um, some people did experience job loss, loss of income. Mm-hmm. I am not an expert in unemployment benefits. I know a lot about them, but I'm not an expert. My clients don't expect me to be an expert. They're frustrated that the websites shut down. They're not displacing their anger, I'm listening. And you know what? I encouraged them to log in at another time. I assured them that I would help them. And fast forward, two months later, they were able to get into the site, submit everything, and the benefits were paid retroactively. So what is very important about this example is I didn't need to know the answer. I didn't need to know how to fix the website that crashed. Right but i took the time to listen to what the pain that someone was experiencing let them know that i was going to be there for them and then they were able to resolve the issue that in itself meant so much and people love to know that they're able to help someone it's the greatest feeling
1: i love that where can we find you i know there's going to be a lot of people who's going to like oh my god i love this girl
0: <laughs> so you can find me you can go to blue ocean globalwealth.com. Um, you'll see my website and then I have the social media links. I'm also on Twitter at blue ocean GW and then on LinkedIn, Margarita J.
1: Wow. This is amazing. I know you also have a book. Did you do just do a book recently? How, how invest, how, how to invest my money or something like that?
0: Oh yes, so I participated in this project where different financial advisors, mm. we each wrote a chapter about how we invest our money, so yes, and that is on Amazon, so um, you can see how many of us, um, because remember, money is very personal, finance is personal. You can see how we go about um, investing our money and money decisions.
1: I love it. Well, Margarita, thank you so much for being here. And I cannot wait to get to know you more and do some more things. I know we have a big project coming up as well. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome.